0: Jesus, you're awesome. You're present. We love your spirit. We love your, uh, your presence. We love your power, and we love that you give gifts to your kiddos. Would you encourage us? Would you strengthen us? Would you equip us today with a vision? And not only that, but the ability to do what we can't do in our human strength, that you be glorified, that your church would be strengthened, that the kingdom would advance, that the Father's heart would be revealed, that your word would be confirmed, and that um, you get the glory in all of this. And so, help Jesus. Amen. Amen. Yay. So, uh, last week was Pentecost Sunday, and Jeremy did a phenomenal job talking about that fateful day 2,000 years ago. You know, it's interesting uh, how Jesus, uh, you know, the Father so loved the world that he gave Jesus. And then Jesus said, it's better that, for you that I go away, because if I go, then I'll give the gift that my father spoke about. And so he gave the Holy Spirit that they received on the day of Pentecost. And then G- the Holy Spirit is the one that gives us gifts. And we're going to be talking about gifts of the Spirit today. Um, but just a little praise uh, shout out. Uh, so speaking of the gift, so God gives gifts on this day. It's 50 days from Passover. Uh, the, the Jews celebrate, it's, it's called the Feast of Weeks, Shavuot, and they celebrate the first uh, fruits of the harvest or something like that, but they also remember back when Moses brought the word down from the mountain, from Mount Sinai, he brought the, the law on the Ten Commandments, on the tablets. And, uh, and then so, fast forward to the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago, God gave the Spirit, and so um, we thought as a family we should give our, gifts, our kids uh, the gift of the Word of God. It's, it's uh, time. Uh, our youngest probably can't handle a full Bible, but the 8 and 12 year old, we, I got three young boys, we thought it was time to give them um, Bibles. And so they were excited, they knew a gift was coming. And um, they thought, is it going to be a Nintendo Switch? Is it going to be a puppy? And I was like, it's going to be even better than both of those. And my wife was like, oh, no, what if they get disillusioned or discouraged? And, uh, well, my 8-year-old, uh, he, he was try- we couldn't decide between Bibles, so he uh, read Psalm 23 in two versions, and he took a liking to this one. It's got a lion on the front. It's called the Adventure Bible. So um, he liked it so much, he said, Tomorrow morning, we're going to read verses together. And I was like, cool. That sounds cool. Because he's an early bird like me, and he gets up, and he wants to play Monopoly. He wants to play basketball. We do all kinds of things to let my wife sleep in. And um, anyway, uh, so I was pleased by that. I'm like, where should we start? I tried to encourage him to start with the New Testament, because that would be the most relevant. he's, He's very stubborn. He was adamant. No, I'm starting in Genesis. I'm reading the whole book. And I'm like... Okay, I'm thinking when we get to Leviticus and Numbers, uh, you know, and um, guys, this morning, I wake up, I'm going out to go kind of get my mind around this message, and I find him at 5.30 in the morning, he's on the couch reading Genesis, and uh, he just finished Genesis this morning, 50 chapters in one week, this kid, I mean, you know, that brought up some interesting conversations, (laughs) dad, what does sex mean? (laughs) And we got to talk about Sodom and Gomorrah. We got to talk about all kinds of fun things. But uh, praise God, I got to talk about biblical sexuality and have some interesting conversations. But I'm just praising the Lord for the passion because, guys, honestly, this is out of left field. He's usually grumpy about coming to church. He's grumpy about anything Jesus related. And so it's like, what happened? And the gift of faith was given to him, I believe. So we're going to talk about different gifts of the Holy Spirit Because I think I need my water. Here we go. Um, we got some Russians in the house. Is that Russian on that little thing? I don't know what that says. Anyway, okay. Um, Paul says he's, he's writing the book of Corinthians to a church in Corinth that has some issues, okay? Um, every church has issues, by the way. If you ever find a perfect one, don't join it because then it won't be perfect anymore because we're all imperfect people. We're broken people. There's no perfect church. But the church in Corinth had a lot of division. They had people going, I'm of this camp, I'm of that camp. They had a guy sleeping with his stepmom. Never a good sign, and they were just like cool with it. They had people getting drunk on the Lord's table, on the communion wine, and the, Paul's like had to address that. And they also had a little taste with the, this thing called the gifts of the Spirit. Jeremy referenced last week the gift of tongues, where you might get a language, You never studied, and you speak it out, and someone might understand it, or it might be a heavenly language. It's part of your prayer language, and anyway, the Corinthians thought they had arrived because they had some taste of the gifts, and they were just all babbling in tongues together, and nobody can, like an outsider walks in. Nobody understood what the heck was going on, and so Paul had to address the proper use of the gifts, but what I love is that he doesn't, like, shut it down and go, guys, it's hopeless. Just don't do the gifts thing. You, be, you can be like, you know, <laughs> a church that doesn't believe in that. And I'll, I'll just go over here some people that, you know, are more open to it. No, he's like, don't be ignorant. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be ignorant. And so he wanted to speak into this issue of how to use this thing properly. And there may be some people here this morning, and this topic either really excites you or really makes you nervous. You, um, you, either from what you were taught from a church growing up or from a really bad experience, somebody doing it in the wrong spirit, in the wrong heart, in the wrong motivation. Um, guys, let's just be honest about it. There's been some abuses of these things. But I want to plead with you, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater just because of a negative experience, somebody that didn't represent the true heart of these gifts. I mean, they're gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know, like, how many of you wake up on Christmas morning and look at those gifts and go, yeah, I mean, I really appreciate the time and effort you took to wrap that and give it to me, but I just, I don't really trust that you give good gifts, and I'm not going to open that. That would be offensive, right, parents? That would be like, guys, you really want to open that gift? It's a puppy, you know, (laughs) or it's a Nintendo, or it's a Bible, whatever, you know. Um, But God has good gifts, he says in Luke 11, you know, if, if we know how to give good gifts to our kids, uh, we're not, you know, we're not, they ask for some bread, we're not going to give them uh, a rock. They ask for something else, we're not going to give them a snake. Uh, how much more will the, will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And so he's got good things in store for us. And it's, here's the thing, I've noticed this cool trait in my kids. When they take the effort to work on a gift that they've made for us, or they've, take the time to pick out a gift that maybe mom and dad paid for, but they picked it out. And they're excited for their brothers to open that gift, you know? And so here's the thing with the gifts. They're not about you. They're not about proving how holy you are or how spiritual you are. In fact, it's a little bit scary that you can, you know, be in a bad place with the Lord and he could still use you in the gifts of the spirit because it's not about you. It's about him wanting to reveal himself to somebody else. And so, Um, Just like my kids get excited about a gift that they've, you know, want to see a friend open, that's how the gifts work. They're a gift for us, through us, to bless the body. And um, the purpose of the gifts, they're tools to advance God's kingdom, to build up the church, to reveal the Father's heart, to confirm His word, and to glorify God. And I could unpack lots of scripture to tell you how I get to that, but we're short on time today. So I'm just going to let you... Say, trust me, this is what they're for. They're they're for the advancement of God's kingdom. They're to strengthen the church and to reveal the Father's heart, to confirm His word and glorify God. Now, we're going to be looking at the nine gifts listed in 1 Corinthians 12. Chapters 12, 13, and 14 are all about the gifts of the Spirit. Chapter 13 is the famous love passage that gets quoted at weddings all the time. And it's actually, he's, it's a beautiful poem about love, and it's relevant to marriage, it's relevant to all kinds of things. But he brings it up, sandwiched in between these two chapters on the gifts of the Spirit, because the gifts are all about love. They're all about revealing the Father's heart. So if we don't have love in this thing, like, forget it. It's not worth it. It will backfire, and it's not the point. But... Um, yeah, so the ones in Corinthians happen to all be supernatural in nature. But there are other lists of gifts. In Romans 12, um, the gift of prophecy is mentioned along with serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, and acts of mercy. So that the, the prof- prophecy one is supernatural. All the others, you know, you could say you know, that could happen apart from the Holy Spirit. You could be a giver without the grace of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's going to go a lot better if you operate, cooperating with the Holy Spirit. But there's a group of people out there called cessationists. They believe the gifts of the Spirit have ceased and they're no longer for today. And I take issue with that. I don't have a lot of energy to really get in debates about all that. The day is coming when we're all going to be operating in this. And so if you just pursue Jesus, you'll get the Holy Spirit. And if you want the fullness of what he has for you, you'll discover these gifts. And the day is coming when what happened 2,000 years ago, that partial fulfillment of the outpouring of the Spirit prophesied in the book of Joel, we'll, we'll see a greater measure of that when the Holy Spirit will come on all flesh in the body of Christ, and all will prophesy, all will see dreams, all will see visions. And so that day is coming. That you, oh, Buckle your seatbelts. We are in some exciting times. But the fact that the, the natural ones, along with the supernatural, are listed in different places— means that you can't just copy and, you know, cut scissors out of your Bible and pick and choose which parts you're going to believe are, are for us. And, and the whole argument that the gifts aren't for today, it's, it's really from a shaky one verse in Corinthians 13, where it talks about the day will come when tongues will cease and prophecies will cease. Um, we, right now we see in part, we know in part, so we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, then... Um, Blah, blah, blah. I'm totally butchering that verse, but it's in there. You can read (laughs) near the end of 1 Corinthians 13. Um, But most theologians and Bible commentators will say that perfection, you know, the the argument is they, they define perfection as when the Bible was decided, all 66 books was canonized, that's perfection. But most, you know, the vast majority of Bible interpreters will say, no, that's speaking of when Jesus comes back. You know, things are not perfect. Hello, just read the news. So, um, and so these gifts are for today. Now, there's another set of gifts in Ephesians 4. And these are um, the office gifts of apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. And we're told that these are given to us for the equipping of the saints for works of service until. I love that word until. Boy, I'm really thirsty today. Until we reach the unity of the faith the knowledge of the son and come into maturity to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Whoa, we're not there yet. We are not at the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Amen. Can I get a, can I get a witness? So, but that's where the bride of Christ is going before Jesus returns. That John 17 prayer that we would be unified, that Jesus prayed, we know Jesus is righteous, so his prayers are going to be answered. That's going to happen. I know it's hard to believe with all the division. But there's coming a day when the bride of Christ will be unified, she'll have made herself ready, she'll be operating in maturity, and we need apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, so that we can get into that place. And it's not about them being celebrity superstars, because they're all about equipping the saints for works of service. So if there's a prophet, his goal is not only to give prophetic words that get viral on YouTube, but to come into places like this and equip the saints to be able to do what they're doing because the Holy Spirit's been given to all of us. And so we may have some, you know, uh, apostle, prophet, pastor, teachers, evangelists in our midst. Those aren't the only gifts, but and they don't always have to operate in church leadership. Um, And I know that maybe, you know, we think of the 12 apostles, and they are in a unique category. And so I don't want to, I know that's a can of worms for some who don't know if apostles are still for today, uh, prophets, you know, is that still for today? Uh, I would argue yes, and I could take time if I had more time to unpack scriptures where, you know, Agabus prophesied a famine. This happened after Jesus, and uh, we're in an era where uh, there's, you know, in the book of Revelation, at the end of the age, it describes prophets still in operation. And, and an apostle just means sent one. And Second Corinthians 12, 12 says, these are the signs of an apostle working with great perseverance, and, uh, and moving in signs and wonders. And so uh, I don't have time to unpack the fivefold ministry. I wish I did. I think uh, apostles get the heavenly blueprints. The prophets see it coming. I think the evangelists uh, have a heart to, to win the lost. Pastors are caring for the sheep, and, and teachers are, you know, really gifted to unpack the word. But those are some of the gifts as well. But these nine that are described in 1 Corinthians 12, we're going to get into it now. Uh, I'm just going to read the first 11 verses, and we don't have time to do justice to all of it either. But Paul says, whoa, Bible, hi. Okay, you guys ready? If you have a Bible, you can pull it out. 1 Corinthians 12, Paul says, it's dark. Um, I'm going to get my phone Bible. Thanks, Bible. Okay. Okay. Um, Okay, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one. It is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there's given to the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a word of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still another, the interpretation of tongues. And these are all the work of the one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Okay, so we're going to just walk through those. But first, I'm going to give you three keys, okay? So homework assignment, there's pop quiz at the end of this. See if you can remember the three keys. The first key is hunger. Paul says, eagerly desire the greater gifts in uh, 12 verse 31. And in... Chapter 14, verse 1, he says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially that you may prophesy. And so it says it differently in different versions, earnestly, eagerly. But here's the deal. Have you ever seen somebody come out of, like, you know, being famished and not eating for 10 days, and um, there's a cracker on the table, and they're super hungry, they're probably not like just going, yeah, I could take or leave that, you know. They're probably like salivating. They are very excited to get that little piece of food and they will do whatever it takes. In fact, fights can break out in impoverished places when you drop food in because people are so hungry. And so um, it is not this kind of thing that you just get to casually sit back and go, okay, sirrah, sirrah, maybe God will visit me and it'll happen. He's talking about an eager pursuit. Some of you know, uh, you know, you have eager desire for a boyfriend or girlfriend. There's <laughs> you're, you're eagerness in your spirit. <laughs> Some of you are so addicted to your favorite Netflix show, you're eagerly awaiting for the time when the kiddos can go to bed so we can just watch our show. Well, we have eager passions about different things. And Paul's saying, guys, you got to want this thing. You got to hunger for it. This thing is to advance the kingdom. This thing is to reveal the Father's heart. This thing is to build up the church. This thing is to confirm the word of God. This thing is to glorify God. Do you want those things to happen in your county, in your city? We're called Bless the City, right? We want to bless the city with more than just us. We want to bless them with the presence and power of God. And there's a lot of people going after New Age stuff and Wicca and witchcraft in this area. Like, mine, a coworker, I had a co who was really into witchcraft. And, you know, and I think the thing is, you know, the culture's been pumping this. The supernatural's kind of trendy for the last 20 years. But it's all the dark stuff, the twilight vampire ghouls and the, you know, whatever, the stranger things stuff. And uh, you know, we watch that show. But, uh, <laughs> but they're aching for counterfeits of the real thing. Guys, we, we have the spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. We have the spirit that parted the Red Sea. We have the spirit that raises people from the dead, heals the sick, and does mind-blowing things. But it's not going to happen if we're casual about it. There's a pursuit. God wants, you know, um, Proverbs 25, 2 says, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to search it out. Bible says that we're kings and priests. So you are royalty. You're not just any kiddo. You're a royal son, a royal daughter. And it's time to live up to who we really are and have that noble pursuit that says, I'm going after the, tr- I'm on a treasure hunt with God. What does he have? And and uh, so I just want to, you know, uh, John Wimber was a guy that started the Vineyard Denomination Church. And um, he was famous for seeing conferences where pastors from all over the world would gather and just fill the place, and he would see healings break out. Now, he, he read his Bible, read the book of Acts, and he said to his friends, hey, when do we get to do this stuff? And they're like, what stuff? He's like, you know, the stuff, like healing the sick and all that that the Bible describes, and they're like, oh, that stuff's not for today. He's like, no, I think it's for today. And he got such, he was just like a dog going after a steak bone. He would not relent. And he preached every Sunday morning on the gift of healing because he wanted to see it. And week after week, they called people forward, they prayed for people, no healings. Month one, month two, 18 months before they saw a healing break out. They didn't change the topic for a year and a half every Sunday morning. I mean, maybe that's unbalanced. I don't know, but they went after it. (laughs) And now, you know, he became famous for seeing, you know, in the West, seeing uh, signs and wonders break out. So are you hungry? Okay. And I know if you had a bad experience, there could be a, uh, and we can deal with that. But, um, okay. So it says in verse seven, the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. couple things to notice there. It's not for the super saints. It's not for the church leaders. It's to each one. We all have a manifestation of the spirit. So, no one's disqualified. You're all on the team. No one didn't get picked on the kickball team today. Praise God. And here's the thing: it's not about you. It's for the profit of all. It's for the common good. It's for others. Maybe we're not seeing the supernatural in our midst because we're just a little bit too self-absorbed and navel gazy. And maybe we lack a little love. And we want if we really were just full of the Father's love, we couldn't help but prophesy over each other because. We're, we're, we're burning with the things that are burning on his heart when we see each other. Wouldn't that be cool? I don't say that to, like, make us feel bad. I'm just saying, like, um, Paul says it's all about for the common good for each other, and, and it's motivated by love. And so, yeah. Uh, next slide. Here's the second key. Hunger is one key. Love is key. Paul says, you know, if, if I could speak all the languages of, of earth and of men and angels— but I didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had a faith that could move mountains but I didn't love others, I'd be nothing. If I gave everything I had to the poor, that's another gift that's not listed. I, I think these are, you know, there's more gifts. <laughs> um, and some people have the gift of generosity. Oh, I guess that was listed in uh, the, the Romans passage. Um, but if I gave everything I had to the poor and even sacrificed my body, uh, that I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing, and so love has to be the motive. Amen? Okay, uh, Sean Boltz is one of my heroes. He operates in a crazy prophetic gifting and word of knowledge gift, and we'll talk about what that is in a sec. Um, so he calls people out of a crowd, tells them their phone number, their business name, their kids' names, and their destiny, and he does it in such a humble, cool way And he's like, hey, you guys can do this too. And he invites you into his process. So for him to say this is really um, saying something. He says, we should highlight love rather than information as the goal of prophetic ministry. It's not about information. It's not about revelation. It's about love. And he used to go and get invited to these conferences. And there'd be these impressive, you know, well-known prophetic people that are getting all this accuracy I have this track record. Um, but then he would just get up and say something as simple as, like, Jesus loves you. But it really came from a place of love. And, and he would get invited back all the time because there was just something on what he was saying. And then as he stewarded that over the years and took risks, and um, God began to give him more and more accuracy and specificity. Boy, I'm having issues. Okay. Come back, little guy. I got a twig on my face. <laughs> okay. Praise the Lord. He says, you'll never have any authority over what you do not love. Okay, third key. There'll be a pop quiz. See if you can get these. Faith is key. In Romans 12, it says, um, if, you know, God's given us different gifts, if, if he's given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. So faith is critical in this whole thing. Um, but here's the deal. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Okay? You gotta work this muscle a little bit and you gotta step out and be willing to look like a fool. Um, John Wimber used to say that all the time. There's this guy named Robbie Dawkins. Um, if you've ever heard, you could Google this guy on YouTube. He's amazing, he's got incredible testimonies. He, um, he started a church in the inner city, some gang infested area, and just like saw crime go down because. They just took bold risks, and they brought, like, gang leaders to Jesus by stepping out and using the gifts. He tells the story of a time when he got to go to Europe, and they visited the Vatican. And um, he'd been discipling his kids and what it means to operate in the gifts of the Spirit and move in faith. And so they were at the Vatican, of all places, and they see a 15-year-old kid in a wheelchair. And three of the boys were like, dude, there's a guy in a wheelchair over there. And they start running towards him. And uh, he's like, hey, get away. That's my kid in a wheelchair. And they're running. And they, like, want to get first, you know. And the, the older ones are, you know, kind of outrunning the younger ones because their legs are longer. And <laughs> their mom is like, don't hurt the kid in the wheelchair, you know. And uh, they 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 come up. They're all excited. And um, <coughs> the, the, his 15-year-old at the time, I think he's older now, he says, um, hello, are you paralyzed? And... Robbie's like, oh, you know, he's running after them to see, like, he can help, you know, mediate this. Um, and uh, But he's a bigger guy, and so he's like, <laughs> and and um, anyway, um, you know, he's like, you know, you start with, hello, my name is Elijah, what's yours, you know. Um, but it turns out, yeah, the kid was paralyzed, and he asked him about his situation, and he'd been in this wheelchair for years and years, and he goes, uh, he, he he stands up, and he goes, Hey, anybody want to see a miracle? God's going to heal this guy right now. (laughs) What in the heck? What is he doing? Well, faith is spelled R-I-S-K, and he was afraid that it might not happen, so he figured he had to crank up the meter. (laughs) And so all these people gather around, and his mom's like, please don't do this. I've seen you guys on TV. Don't pull my kid out of his wheelchair. And they're like, you know, we're not going to do that. But he says, okay, uh, you know, if 10's like fully paralyzed and, and zero is totally healed, where are you? He's like, I'm a 10. <laughs> He's like, okay, well, let's pray. So they pray. First time, nothing. Second time, nothing. Third time, nothing. That's a persistence after not getting it after three times. I've had those types, and I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> let's get there. But um, fourth time, the guy started feeling some tingles on the bottom of his feet. So they prayed again. Now the tingles were on the top of his feet. Then then the fifth time they prayed, the tingles uh, were going up his legs. And by the sixth time, he's starting to move his legs. And by the seventh time, he's like, I think I want to try to stand up. And so they get on either side and they help him up. And this guy's legs were emaciated because he hadn't walked for years. And by something like the tenth time, he is like running around. <laughs> and he says, Mom, you can take my wheelchair. I'm hanging out with these guys for the rest of the day. <laughs> and... And so, and then, then the kid who started the prayer, he goes, hey, you all just witnessed a miracle to confirm that Jesus loves this kid just as much as he loves you. What are you going to do with that? You know, you can, you can just ignore that, or you can take this seriously and invite Jesus in your heart. I mean, crazy boldness. Now, I am not in that place where I'm doing that, guys, but I'm provoked by what's possible in Jesus. And if there's a story From somebody at another church or somebody that, you know, somebody famous or somebody that uh, lives with you. It's your, you know, it's our inheritance to tell those stories that build faith, that God uh, responds to faith. Okay, this first gift that's described is a word of wisdom. Word of wisdom is a supernatural application of knowledge God gives you, okay? I had a friend, I had a friend, I mean, well, first let me say this. James 1.6 says that if any of us lacks wisdom, he gives it generously to all without finding fault. But he requires it to come in faith and not in doubt. Because the one in doubt is like the wave tossed back, back and forth on the sea. And so God wants us to come and stand on these promises and ask and seek and knock and then believe that he's going to grant you that wisdom. I had a friend, Anthony, I've told this story sometimes here before. But um, he, his car wouldn't start. And he had a big family, and he didn't have the money to get it repaired. And in fact, he took it to three mechanics. They didn't know what was wrong with it. He's like, I can't buy a new car. I need to get to work. Lord, what's wrong with my truck? And he has a dream that night. And in the dream, Jesus is there under the hood. And he reaches down, and he shows this carburetor. And then he gets down, and he pulls this interesting-looking piece he'd never seen before. And he goes like that. And then he wakes up, and that was the dream. So he gets under the hood and gets under the car, and he g- reaches up under, and he f- sees a piece of oh, just like the one Jesus grabbed. He didn't know what the heck it was. He unscrewed it, took it into a mechanic. He goes, oh, that's a thingamajigger. You know, I don't remember what it was called. But he's like Googles thingamajiggers. He finds uh, like a $60 version of a thingamajigger at the, y- uh, the what do you call it, the, the junkyard, and he buys it, and he puts it in himself, turns the key, the car works like a champ. Jesus, the mechanic can give you wisdom about how to move forward when you feel stuck. He can give a supernatural understanding of what is required. Um, it, it, you know, um, this may be an interesting application of this story, but there was a friend of mine, Dick Schroeder, he's going to be with the Lord. He was a college pastor in Montana, tells this story. So I know it's true. Uh, one of his students who was in the airport, and he's like, um, God, I'm here, I'm available, anything you want me to do? And he has this really strong impression that he's supposed to go do a handstand in front of this vending machine. And he's like, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Get behind me, Satanite, whatever. But it wouldn't go. And he's like, I'm going to regret if I don't do this. And he was an athletic guy. So he goes, he does a handstand in front of the vending machine for about 45 seconds. And then this man walks up to him and he's like, what are you doing? And he's like, I like the Lord said, tell him why you're doing this. He's like, well, I'm a Christian, And I believe I can hear from God. And uh, I felt like he told me to come over here and do a handstand in front of this vending machine. I know, it's crazy. And the guy breaks down weeping. Turns out this guy had been wrestling with the Lord, running from God. He'd been offended over some things that went wrong in his life. He was at the airport. He's like, God, if you're even real, put someone standing on their head in front of that vending machine. And then this kid gets up, goes over, does it. He's like, there's a God, you know. Like, how do we get people saved? Maybe we listen to the Holy Spirit. Maybe he's got the best strategy. They could have argued about this, that, the other, the veracity of Scripture for 10 years, but just a demonstration of a prayer answered is the way to reach somebody's heart. Sean Boltz uh, tells the story of a time where he got invited to go minister to an evil dictator in South America. And this, his cousin, like, knew about his, his word of knowledge thing. He's like, here, come with me. Come, come to my cousin. Uh, y- you need to do your prayer thing there. Uh, we, we can get you back in time for your plane. Here, we got a helicopter. And he goes, and he's heard stories about the horrible things this guy did. He doesn't tell the specifics of it because he doesn't, whatever. Um, this guy's died now. Um, but he... Um, he goes in, he's like wearing cargo shorts and a t-shirt. There's these guys with guns, they clear out the room. He's like, okay, now go, do your prayer thing. Now, before that, the night before, he didn't want to do this. But he had a dream about this 12-year-old boy being passed from foster home to foster home to foster home. And that changed his heart about this evil man, that he was just a kid. And he would go into these orphanages, and then he would become the leader in the orphanage. So, you know, you look at someone different, you know, if you understand them, just with an orphan spirit. And he gets up and he says, okay, the Lord told me these five words. Da, 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 da. He says, you're not supposed to do that. He won't be with you if you do that. Um, you're going to uh, lose your position in the country um, and it won't go well. And everyone looked at him like, you are about to get killed. Like, what? Like, he said, get everybody out of the room. So these two guys with guns. And this evil dictator, he's like, How did you know that? He's like, I don't even know what I just said. I just told you these five words. And he's like, That's the name of a very classified operation we were about to enact on another country, but you're telling me that I can't that God won't be with me, and that and he goes, Yeah, and the Lord says that he forgives you for what you did to your daughter's horse on her eighth birthday. And he's like, He starts weeping. Because I don't know what he did to the horse, but it was bad. And he's never been able to forgive himself. And then um, he yeah, he just ministered to this guy in profound ways. And and he tried to give him all this money, and he was like, No, take your money. It's not, no, Jesus loves you, you know. And so God could give you wisdom about how to guide the leader of a country. I know these are stories that feel like out there, like I'm never gonna attain to that. But God could, could show you how to lead a soul to Christ, how to Keep an evil dictator from doing horrible things. <laughs> and I think I gave another example, but I, oh, I forget. Anyway, oh, how to change your car, get it working. Okay, words of knowledge is supernaturally knowing something that you did not learn or receive through your senses. So, like I said, you know, Sean's doing this thing where he's calling people out of a crowd. I once got called out by a prophet in a crowd by name, Jason Kelly. I was told I was builder, builder, builder. That was all the word was. But it was my name in a room. that It was like, wow. I wish I got one of those hammers, you know, the builder group. But, um, but yeah, that same guy, he says to me, he goes, God's raising up fathers who are raising up sons and daughters to forget not all his benefits. Forget not all, all his benefits. Psalm 103, Psalm 103. And he looks at me and he goes, you live on 103rd, don't you? And I was like, I do. I lived on 103rd Terrace, and that was a word of knowledge. I mean, I could get cynical and go, maybe he researched me, but I don't think he did that. And that word means something because of that word of knowledge. Now, a word of knowledge can work um, for healing. Once I was meeting a gal uh, who had just come back from her YWAM experience, and she was involved with the Light of the World Prayer Center where I used to be on staff. Her name's Amy And uh, we were listening to her testimony at Applebee's, and the whole time my left calf was on fire. I was like, why is my leg burning? This is weird. I looked down. There was no heater down there. And I was like, I had this thought. Maybe I should ask her if she needs healing in her left calf. And I asked her that, and her eyes got real big. She's like, yeah, I just strained my calf like a week ago. And And now I can't dance, and I can't run, things I love to do. And everybody at the table, our faith went through the roof. We prayed for her. She got healed that night. She was running and dancing the next day. Come on. So God can give you information that you know nothing about. My very first encounter with the prophetic was a man that said, I will give you tears for the lost. That was a verbatim quote from my journal from a week prior. And I was like, ooh, creepy. Are you like rummaging through my bag? How do you know that, you know? God can give information and it builds faith when, you, when God shows you something and, he, and, he, um, and, and then it's attached to a message, whether it's healing or whatever. Okay, the gift of faith, the ability to believe God for the impossible. Here's another fun story. You ready? We're just showering you with stories. Heidi Baker, have you heard of her? She's amazing, she's crazy. She, um, <laughs> she uh, one time, Sean Boltz, uh, gave her a, a bear hug from behind at a church, and she was like, who is this, whatever. And then it was like, oh, it's Sean. Oh, no, she hugged Sean Boltz, and he was like, who is this woman, whatever. And it's, oh, it's my spiritual mom, Heidi Baker. And so they had this prayer time that day where they were just laying down, and she began to see these African faces that would show up in her mind's eye. And she, she, she said, it's the Makua bride, the Makua bride. And Sean's going, awesome, what's that? And then she puts her hand on him and says, Lord, show him. And then he begins to see these African faces. And she goes back home to her husband, Roland, and says, uh, are there a people group? They were missionaries in M- Mozambique. And she goes, is there a, a people group called the Makua? And he goes, oh, yeah. They're very terrifying. They, like, kill all the foreigners that try to come visit them. And she's like, well, the Lord showed me that, that they're all going to get saved. So he's like, well, you better pray and get the strategy for how we do that. So she goes into her prayer closet, and after six hours, she comes out. She's like, the Lord gave me the strategy. So they get in the Land Rover. They drive. I think Sean was with Heidi and, and Roland, and they get there. And um, as they approach, these, the chief and all these people with spears, they come out. They're like looking menacing. And then she steps up to the plate, and she goes, Give me your blind and give me your deaf and my God will heal them on the spot right now or you can kill all of us. And Sean's like, that's your strategy? Like, what? Like, maybe we should have talked about this before we all got into this moment here. And the chief looks at her and goes, okay. And he goes back and he gets his nine-year-old daughter who's deaf from birth Says, so see what your God can do. And so it's on, right? Like Donkey Kong and she prays, and the ears are opened, and the chief turns around and says, all of you must give your life to Jesus right now, and the whole village gets saved, and now their evangelism strategy is to go from village to village and tell people, bring out your deaf, bring out your your blind, my God will heal them right now, or you can kill all of us. Okay, that's a faith realm I'm not walking in, but I'm telling you, That's what I'm talking about. It's not just like that kind of every, we all have faith. We can't be believers without faith, right? But there's a supernatural gift that comes, and sometimes it comes with a history. God spoke to you this time, that time, and the other. You know, Gideon got a lot of confirmations. He needed it. Whittle your army from 30,000 down to 300 and go against an army of 32,000. You need some confirmations. Let's stop like hating on Gideon for asking for so much confirmations. But you know, God can give you that faith that is unmovable and says, "I don't care, impossibilities must bow the knee to Jesus." Um, the gifts of healing I've talked about some of those, but it's a supernatural grace to impart wholeness to a mind, body or spirit so that it operates as God intended. Because I've shared some healing stories, I'm going to move on. The gift of working of miracles. Um, you know there's other kind of miracles than healing. He can multiply food, He can raise the dead. My, I've been telling people for years my dream job would be to be uh, the head of the dead-raising department at some church. <laughs> and then my second job is that I'm a tour guide of the New Jerusalem, and I take people there before they're dead so they can see what it's like in heaven, understand their citizenship in heaven. And my third job would be to be a filmmaker to, like, Take the revelation we got from heaven and the exploits we did when we emptied those, you know, morgues of dead people <laughs> and put them out of business. Sorry, guys, here you can come on stand with our church. And then, um, you know, that would be my dream job. I'm not operating in that, but I'm hungry for it. And so, you know, there's a, there's a gift, but are you asking for the impossible to happen? To get to prophecy is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to foretell and to foretell to foretell, to edify, strengthen, or exhort, and comfort, according to 1 Corinthians 14.3, or to foretell, to warn, to announce, to reveal the future. Jesus references that the Holy Spirit will come, and He'll show you things to come. And so God might show you things about the future. God might show you things about someone's present, someone's past, but the heart is love. The heart is to edify, comfort, and strengthen. So here's the thing. I want to give you permission. Like, We, you know, we think about the Old Testament prophets. They were stoned for getting it wrong. They were um, stoned if they had the wrong spirit and they were pointing people to another God. And there is some, you know, Paul said, "I see in part, I prophesy in part." And there is a difference between the gift, the simple gift of prophecy, and an office of a prophet. Somebody who's operating in that gift has been affirmed by various leaders across the body of Christ. They've got a track record of getting things right. And, you know, and I, I kind of hate titles altogether. It's more about a function. You know, the people that slap on apostle so-and-so or prophet so-and-so. I just, ugh. Now, in the black court church, that's kind of the culture. It's like, I'm, I'm apostle so-and-so, I'm bishop. You need to know what my function is. But um, But anyway, so ask yourself this question. Is this edifying? Is this going to comfort them? Is this going to strengthen them? If not, then throw it out. But if it is, and you're going off of something God showed you in his mind's eye. Now, for me, it tends to work. I close my eyes, and I see a picture. I'm a visual guy. I see a random picture. I, wa- I you know, once saw this picture. I was praying for a guy over the phone, and I said, I see this tree by streams of water. You're like that Psalm 1 guy that meditates on the word day and night. And he started freaking out, and he sent me a text of the picture he was drawing of a tree by a river at that moment. Um, But here's the thing, it's not to expose, it's not to embarrass, it's not to, like, call out their sin. There's a time and a place for a rebuke, and there's a time and a place for that, but it's usually not, you know, love covers over a multitude of sins. And so it's not about that, it's about building up. Um, And God may show you things about the future. Um, and, And this, I want to see this place be a safe place where we can practice on each other. And in your small groups, practice on each other. I got blessed by some prophetic words at a small group here. And, um, you know, uh, just last week, I saw Leah. No, two weeks ago, I prophesied over Leah, and I felt like God showed me she was a prophetic singer. I had no idea if she was musical at all. The next week, I see her up on stage on the keys. I'm like, oh, I guess I got that right. (laughs) Um, I I was in Kansas City for a week, and a friend uh, introduced me to this other friend, and I just felt like God showed me her dancing in the Lord's hands. Turns out she wasn't just like, like all of us that can, you know, kind of boogie a little bit, but kind of uh, cringe, she was a dancer. Like, she had trained to be a professional dancer her whole life. And, like, you, you just trust that faint. It's usually the small, still voice. It's much more subtle than you think. And so as you train that muscle, God will work it and build it so you get more and more of God in it. And it is really important. 1 Timothy 1.18, Paul says to Timothy, according to the prophecies once made over you by them... Uh, fight the good warfare. A lot of people aren't even engaging in the fight because they haven't heard a word from heaven about who they are, what their destiny is, what their calling is, what their assignment is, and so they're just kind of like, yeah, it just doesn't matter. But if you got some words that are confirmed by two or three witnesses, you're like, I'm holding on to this thing. I'm not giving up. Amen? Okay. Discerning of spirits. We live in a day and age where they're trying to tell our five-year-olds, you can't smoke, you can't drive, you can't buy alcohol. Oh, but you want to chop off your genitalia and be a new gender? You can do that. Like, I, I'm sorry if this is offensive. I'm just going to say that, I, that this whole thing is demonic, this, this idea. It's a, and so do we have the discernment in our culture to know what is from the Holy Spirit and what is from the spirit of the sage? And, um, I, you know, if you're struggling in that category, there's no shame and there's deliverance. But God might gift you to be able to discern if there's the presence of angels and demons. Um, There's a friend of mine who can pick up people's anointings and giftings. And, oh, that guy's really prophetic. Have you talked to him? No, but he's, I could just feel the spirit of prophecy on him. And so, um, yeah, this is different than just being critical, okay, and being judgmental. Um, God might show you something, and you're not supposed to tell that person. In fact, if you did, it would go really bad. That's a prayer assignment for you to, you to pray for that person until the Lord shows you it might be time to, to say anything. And so uh, it's the ability to know what, a spirit, uh, what spirit a person is motivated by, the ability to know what spirit is in operation. The gift of tongues, Jeremy talked about that. Um, it's the ability to pray the mysteries of God, strengthen the spirit of man through uh, heavenly language. It could be the language of man. It, like, Jeremy shared a couple of stories that blew my mind. <laughs> Weren't those amazing? where he got, like, Arabic, or I can't remember the languages. I've heard stories of a guy gets up in a church service, gives a public tongue, so there's a difference between a private prayer language tongue and a public tongue that needs to be interpreted. And so when that happens, there needs to be interpretation. Guy gets up, interprets it. This Jewish man comes forward, is like, do you know Jewish? No. Do you know Hebrew? No. You just spoke perfect Hebrew. You just spoke, interpreted it perfectly. My mind is blown. Jesus is Messiah. <laughs> So, um, so there might be that kind of tongue. And so if that ever happens here, we trust that Jeremy will be on the ball or whoever in leadership can help steward that. There's got to be order, not chaos. But Paul said, I would rather you speak in five intelligible words than a thousand in a tongue when you gather together because the purpose when you're together is to build one another up. And who, who can say amen to your gibberish if it's not interpreted? But he did have some positive things to say about tongues. He said, you know, there's whole denominations that forbid it. He said, don't forbid speaking in tongues. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 39 and 40. He's, he, he, um, he says it strengthens, it edifies your inner man. A lot of us are trying to wield a William Wallace sword with a Minnie Mouse spirit. But if we would pray in the spirit, we might be powerful and our words would have more effect. Um, it's part of the armor of God it's one way we can pray without ceasing. It helps us in our weakness know how to pray the very prayers of God. If you want to take a picture of that, i got the references I'm not going to go into because of time. It allows us to pray the perfect will of God. It's a way we enter into God's presence through thanksgiving and praise. It says, yeah, you may praise God well enough with your tongue. But, um, so, so I don't know. Sometimes I'm having a bad day. It's hard to get there in English to praise Him. But he, the Spirit can help me get there and I get into His presence. It's a way to not lean on our own understanding and it's a way um, to allow God to pray through us. So just know that I, I just took an extra slide on this because it's one of the most confusing, mysterious ones. It doesn't make no sense. And, uh, you know, we're so proud that if it doesn't, you know, if we don't understand it totally, then we're just going to reject it. But maybe our God's too small. Maybe we're leaning too much on our own understanding, and he wants us to trust him in this manner. Um, <laughs> I don't get this meme. I mean, this meme is popular. It's used a million times over. I don't know what the origin of this thing with the cat is. Is this some reference to a TV show? I don't know. I've seen this a million times on Facebook. But, you know, you, it's not about you arriving and having the spirit badge that I pray in tongues, and what about you? Are you not? It's not a salvation issue, and it's not something to get you proud. That's not the point. The point is to build yourself up so that you might hear from God better and that you might be used uh, more effectively but um, we really cancel it out when we're, like, gossiping in English but praying in heavenly tongues, right? So watch your tongue. Okay, um, the interpretation of tongues, again, the ability to understand and receive revelation from God through a language you did not learn. Um, and uh, that, might, that might be that um, somebody spoke Swahili, and you understand Swahili. They might speak a heavenly tongue, and you understand the heavenly tongue, um, but it's, it's a mystery. It's miraculous. It's supernatural. It happens. Okay. Final slide here. Um, my heart is not just to talk about this stuff, but to encourage you to go and do this stuff. And I know that sounds crazy and dangerous, but if there's somebody sitting next to you or somebody in your house or somebody that you know is open to this, because not everyone's open to this. I get it. But say, hey, I think God might want to speak to you and I'm going to ask the Lord if he has anything for me to show you. And I always like to tie it back to Scripture, feel like the most safe prophetic thing I can do is quote the Bible. It's true to everybody, but it might happen to be their life verse. I did this. I, I keep seeing an eagle in my mind's eye while prophesying over people during a conference, so we did a bunch of these. And um, third time I see the eagle, I'm like, God, is it just because I haven't been in my Bible that you keep showing me the same verse? Like, does everybody need to know this? Isaiah 40:31: those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength, mount up on wings like eagles. But I'm like, okay, I'm going to say it. And I said the thing, and the guy rolls up his sleeve, and he's got Isaiah 4031 tattooed, and an eagle on his, I'm like, oh, I guess I heard from you. Now, here's the thing. The gift of encouragement is awesome, and we should all strive to be more encouraging and affirming, and, but it, this is different than the gift of prophecy because the gift of encouragement is like, hey, i noticed you sweeping up like hours after everybody left. You have such an amazing servant heart. I want to hear about that from you if I'm doing that. I mean, it's you know, not always happening, right? But, um, but to get the gift of prophecy is not basing it on what you know about a person, about their, you know, their face, their countenance, or how they're dressed, their name, or anything. You're just asking the Spirit for revelation, and He can, he can give that to you. And we can all hear His voice. Some of you just will see in pictures. Some of you will have a burning emotion. Some of you have a scripture come to mind. And some of you can just trust that, hey, I asked for wisdom. I got the short window. They're going to leave. If I don't, I'm going to say something edifying, comforting, and strengthening that doesn't contradict the Bible. And then it turns out, as you step out in faith, like that trapeze artist, woo! does it land, you know? And you'll find encourage- the person receiving the word is encouraged. The person giving the word is encouraged. Everybody's encouraged. The body's strengthened. The kingdom advances. And it's really fun when you take this outside of the four walls of the church. Yeah. I'm going to close with this story, and then I'm going to invite people up for prayer. Um, I, um, one night, I couldn't sleep. At four in the morning, I was like, what do I do? Scrolling through YouTube or something. I find this Bethel message by Bill Johnson. In that sermon, he tells a crazy story about... This road runner that showed up to their little prayer house. They have this little alabaster prayer house, and and he would go like an hour before this prayer meeting. So we had a pre-prayer prayer meeting um, where he would just wait on the Lord, and then a group of people would come and they pray. And this roadrunner, they go like what is it, 60 miles? They go fast, and it would just run up, and then it would stand on this rock that kind of looks like an eagle, and he would stand there and just watch for the whole prayer time, and then he would leave. And that happened three weeks in a row, right during prayer time. This. Roadrunner came up, and then, and then one, the next week, the janitor was cleaning, vacuuming out the place, and so the door was open. The Roadrunner came into the prayer room, and then all of a sudden, like a Roadrunner does, he started darting, and boom, he hit the glass window, and he died. And he's like, oh, my goodness. Oh, oh no, I, I've heard about this Roadrunner. i got to call Bill. He calls Bill. He's like, the Roadrunner died. What do we do? He's, and Bill's thinking, God's going to raise the roadrunner from the dead. There's something. I don't know what's going on with this roadrunner, but there's something in this. So he comes down with all the faith he can muster. He puts his two fingers on the dead roadrunner. Nothing. He's like, ugh. And he's just like, God, what is this about? And so he's praying about it for like hours like, God, what is this about? What is this? I know this is something. I'm, this is, you're, there's a message in this. And the Lord gave him the sense, as clear as day, that he convinces what this is about. God said, Whatever breakthrough comes into the house, if it doesn't have a way out of the house, it will die. Yeah. So I was encouraged by that story i 'm like, yeah, so the next day was John or it was uh, January seventeenth one seventeen, and I was geeking out like I do about a Bible verse related to the date And it was. Luke 117, the power and spirit of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and they're disobedient to the wisdom of the just. And that was my prayer all day. And then I have this woman come up to me and pray for me. And she goes, meep, meep. Yeah. And I was like, what? She goes, meep, meep. And she starts laughing. Meep, meep. And she's like, the Lord showed me this roadrunner. And I don't know what it's about. I'm like, no way. I just watched a sermon about a roadrunner last night. And to me, it's significant that it happened on January 17th, claiming Luke 1.17. God wants to turn the hearts of fathers to children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. And one of the most powerful ways he's going to do it is by not telling them things, you know, they don't care what we know until they know that we care. And so if you operate in the gifts, by default, if you're doing it right, you're moving in some supernatural love. And then you're revealing the Father's heart and you might be healing their body. You might be telling them the secrets of their heart. But their, their defenses are brought down. They're like, God is real. And so that is the point of the gifts, is to demonstrate God's reality. And so if that encourages you, come forward. I'm sorry that it's late. How's the, how's the movie going? They're done. <laughs> okay. Uh, Nick, you want to come up, and we'll just close in worship? Um, here's what I want. There's two people... Categories of people here today. You're like, um, I really want. I've, I've either always been hungry or I've been resistant, but I want to experience operating in the gifts of the Spirit. And if that's you, I want to see. I want to see your hands raised. We're just gonna do an altar call. Yes, we got one. We got more. We got. I see that hand. <laughs> okay. Now. If you're here and you've already tasted a little bit of that and you have confidence that God might want to release something through you, might be, you know, a little word of encouragement, a little word of, little, little, you know, word of knowledge, a little whatever. If you bring it through this filter, does this contradict the word of God? Is this loving? Is this edifying? Is this comforting? Does this strengthen? Then I encourage you to pray that out based on what you're sensing, what you're seeing, not based on what they're wearing, what you know about them. But, um, so can we do that? Can we have ones that want to get received? I know everybody wants to receive one, though, right? We don't have time to do it justice today. We're just wetting your whistle, planting the seed. It's up to you now to run with the torch and take it out of these four walls and do it in your small group. Amen? Okay, why don't we all stand? Um, If you feel led to pray for the person next to you, maybe you saw their hand raised, maybe not. Cool. If, if it's too much pressure in this moment, once we dismiss you, uh, you can still pray and prophesy over people. <laughs> maybe you want the gift of tongues. Maybe you want gift of discernment. It's all good. The Father of glory gives good gifts to his children. So, Papa, I praise you and thank you that you haven't left us orphaned or abandoned but you've given us the gift of your spirit living on the inside of us. We want you to be yourself. We want you to advance the kingdom through us. We want you to build and strengthen the church in and through our yes, our weak yes. We want you to reveal the Father's heart to those walking next to us that might be hurting and might need to hear a fresh word from heaven. Father, I thank you that you love to confirm your word with signs and wonders. You did it all throughout. Mark 16, Acts 14, Hebrews 2. You talk about this. God, we want to see you demonstrate heaven on earth through a people who don't abuse the gifts and make it about ourselves, but through a people who say, I just want people to know Jesus. And whether it's my brother or sister who already confesses Jesus or someone on the streets that might come to salvation, a demonstration of the spirit's power make us your hands and feet we renounce unbelief we renounce selfishness god we renounce apathy say give us the hunger give us the faith and give us the love to unlock these gifts and unwrap these presents you will be glorified and we pray this in jesus name awesome guys okay i'm gonna read the, the um